Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. Today's episode has me particularly nervous because it is something that I've been wanting to do for months and months and months, and honestly, since the advent of the podcast, I've been wanting to do a book review episode, but I have been either too scared or too distracted or you know, had too many other things planned, too overwhelmed, whatever the excuse was, I didn't want to do it. But now I just, I read this book over the last couple of weeks and I say that because I started it and I wanted to read it and then I just didn't get to it for like three weeks and then I finally read it and when I picked it up, it was, and of course I'm talking about an audiobook, so I'm saying picked it up metaphorically speaking, I, I played it on my phone. When I picked it up finally, just actually started for real, it took me like three and a half days. I like couldn't put it down, again, metaphorically. I couldn't stop listening to this book. It was like life-changing. And my work productivity for the weeks, I would say week and a half, following finishing the book was like through the roof, like literally four times my normal speed. And it was just such a noticeable difference. It was like when I came back from Kuwait and being mostly sober for an entire year, I said that I had this superpower that I never knew that I had before, and it was memory. <laughs> and it was because just being sober for a whole year, I could like remember things because I just hadn't been fucked up at all. There were no brain cells, brain cells really killed during that time, uh, and I was able to like sleep better and dream more clearly and discern between you know all things and really pay attention fully in my interactions uh, uh, many things combined led to the the feeling like I had my memory back but anyway reading this book it made me feel like I had a superpower again and it was like whoa my superpower is my attention which really was my superpower when it was my memory, it was the same thing. It was, I was suddenly had been paying attention to everything for a year where when you're fucked up, you just are like kind of numb and you don't really necessarily know what's going on all the time. And you certainly can't really like remember it. And when you like are like dismissive of people in your life and like not really listening to them, of course you're not going to remember what they told you about because you weren't really paying attention. Um, and so this episode is very much inspired by how distracted so many of us are, even those of us who are not so distracted. Like even if you're not that distracted, I feel strongly that this book could still offer you a lot of tools to improve your quality of life. And that's kind of what also inspired this you know, the interest, the serious and real deep love and interest that I have in this subject um, is because of our quality of life. I mean, I, I truly do want us to be happier and more fulfilled. And this gives you the time to give more energy to things that you want to give them to. And it just also, it, the finishing of this book also so coincided with the last episode, episode 39, Your Best, which is about being your best 
strictly for the sake of being happier. I'm not being my best to look good to other people. It's because I want to be happier. And so what that requires is me taking care of myself, me being my best physically, emotionally, mentally, um, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I knew there was another one. Um, So I just, I felt like it was so in alignment with things that, are the edge of fear things that are me and it was also hilarious because my productivity only lasted about a week and a half so it is still very in alignment with things that I want and I need but I'm not focused enough to like continue these habits on my own so I thought that if I talked about it on a larger scale I mean it's truly like life-changing information it's like if we only knew how much of our life and our parents' lives, and our children's lives, and our neighbors' lives are just wasted away because we're spending, whether it's three hours or six hours or 10 hours a day on the internet, I'm sorry for stopping there, or 12 hours or 18 hours a day on the internet, whatever your fucking smartphone tells you, you could have literally mastered a skill in that time. I will, I think I will quote it, later on in this episode if I get to it um but there is a quote that I love from this book that when he said it I was like that's obvious like why is that an important quote but then like when we get to that chapter like it it makes perfect fucking sense so great book all right uh the quote is practice isn't the thing you do when you're good it's the thing you do that makes you good and it's like yeah obviously but what that means is there's a what's called a t- uh, 10,000 hours rule and they say that 10,000 hours would be the length of effortful practice some suggest it would take to master some skill so we'll get back to that later but the amount of time that we waste just going through the motions of life and being on autopilot is like outrageous it's outstandingly awful and we could all be fucking masters of some skill so what is hyper focus hyper focus is when you decide that you are going to do a task and then you focus 100% of your attention for a set amount of time on this task and you are not doing other things and when your mind wanders you realize that your mind has wandered and you bring your attention back to the task and you do it for the set amount of time so that's hyper focus so you can do hyper focus for 20 minutes or you can do hyper focus for an hour and a half um and you can schedule breaks during the hyper focus or you can just set chunks of hyper focus um but it is an incredibly profound and truly life-changing superpower um and so now i want to go into how you can really stay focused and get shit done that you want to so that you can be more fulfilled do more meaningful and profound work in your life, feel more confident and proud of what you're putting out there and be authentically happier in who you are. Okay, and that is how this is relevant to the edge of fear. Okay, so the book is called Hyperfocus by Chris Bailey. A friend of mine recommended it. I picked it up through one of my free library apps that I am a user of. I use the free library app Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, and also 
Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. Um, go into your local library, get yourself a library card. Usually all you need is a piece of mail or your driver's license. They'll give you a library card on the spot. And usually most places now have an app that you can download on your phone so that you have access to whatever books are in the library they have electronically either in audio or like on a kindle form and you can download them right from your phone and have access to them anytime this was huge when i was traveling last year i didn't use it the first time around when i was uh like backpacking for three months but when i was living in italy i used these two library apps one from boston and one from new york uh that's why i had two and it was just amazing to have access to this free anytime obviously it's not every single book in the world um but hyperfocus was there so i was super excited about it um i definitely support if you don't have it for free please get it online support chris bailey this book was fucking incredible um share it with your friends let them know how much more productive and happier we can be in a shorter amount of time okay um so on average we switch tasks every 40 seconds when we work in front of a computer Every 40 seconds, our mind wanders. When we're interrupted completely, it takes us more than 20 minutes to get back on track. On track. So if every 40 seconds we are distracted, if any of those minute distractions pull us actually away, completely distracted, we will be possibly distracted for 20 minutes. You ever notice that when you like just go to like, I'm just going to check this notification real quick, and then suddenly like you're on your phone and it's been two fucking hours and you just... Like you got pulled in, you're sucked in. It's what happens. So um, apps that he suggests to use as distraction blockers are Freedom, Cold Turkey, and Rescue Time. Uh, The ones that I looked at were, it looked like it was like $7 a month or like uh, $30 for the year or some shit. Um, But, and they, a bunch of them had like a free trial period and stuff. But like, if you think about your time as worth, more than money. Cue precious. This time is precious. This time, this time, this time, this time, this time is precious. <laughs> okay. Um, so your time is fucking precious. So deploy distraction blockers and increase your productivity. 100% success rate on this. There's no question about it. Then after your hyperfocus mode has finished, Treat yourself to indulge in odd distractions on your break from hyperfocus, but put your time, energy, and attention into one task. Your energy goes farther and the work is more meaningful and productive. This is where he got me, meaningful work. Imagine if we had the energy to do meaningful work. And imagine if all of the work that we did all day was meaningful because we were only paying attention to that one thing while we were paying attention to it. Imagine, oh my God, we would all have like passions showing all the time. Okay, become deliberate on when you check messages and when you check notifications. Set and schedule your distractions ahead of time so that we are in control of when notifications distract us instead of the other way around. Rule for notifications is completely disable them on any information that you can live without. Turn off all audible and vibrating notifications. And then finally, he says that the most necessary part is to really shift your attitude towards your smartphone. If you are to think of it instead of a cool, exciting, stimulating 
distracting fun thing with lots of shiny lights that I love to look at and gives me you know doses of cortisone and dopamine and oxytocin and things that confuse me into thinking that there is love and light in this small device instead if you think of it as a smaller more annoying computer you only look at it with intention then you can change the way that you interact and engage with your phone um, and so Tips that he has for this, changing your attitude towards your device, would be to do a phone swap at meals uh, or you know when you're at home or out with friends or whatever, um, do a phone swap. You can enable airplane mode. You can buy a second distraction device to keep at home so that your phone doesn't have any distraction things on it like email. Uh, the internet, like literally just use it for like phone calls and text messages. That's it. No, nothing. Um, I know it's pretty intense. You, you got to read the book. Um, then he also suggests the final two things are create a mindless folder for your phone so that you have to do the extra step of going to the folder labeled mindless in order to have access to social media and Reddit and whatever you use to just like numb out and ignore whatever like your responsibilities are that you are intentionally distracting from or procrastinating from or taking a break from, even if it's a positive thing. Um, and then finally is to prune your list of apps. So whatever you have on your phone, just prune it. Just like minor changes. You can start with really minor changes to develop a more focused um, and intentional life. Um, okay, so another tip that he gives, and this was really important um, because I know I have been very distracted by my email when it comes to work-related email and uh, letting work kind of bleed over into the rest of your life. That was a fight that very much was part of the breaking up of me and my ex uh, a couple of years ago was I was really constantly checking my 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 work email and I know that a lot of people can relate to this I've seen this happen in a lot of people's lives and in relationships and I think people really struggle with it so if this is you this might be relevant these tips that he gives you I honestly read the book read the book okay um, so set a rule for your email only check your email when you have the time and energy to deal with whatever comes in. And I would, I can't remember if he actually states this in the book, but only check your messages when you have the time and energy to deal with whatever comes in. So that means text and email. Have you ever been at like a party or an event or like you're in a class or you're at a movie or something, you're on a date and you get a text message and it's like, Poppy died or so-and-so got in a car accident or so-and-so's dead. Like, and you, you were just having this like normal life time, this, you, you were having this regular day and then your entire world is like fucking jolted and you're freaking out if you, just didn't read the message yeah people should be a little bit more like understanding of like hey are you sitting down like would do you have a minute um but we would still probably answer we we just don't really have the willpower so why this is so important is he's 
setting you up for success. I only check messages when I have the mental capacity, the time and the space to check my message. If I can't handle whatever is about to come in, then I'm not checking it. If it's going to ruin my, if it's fucking Christmas night and there's an email about a return that didn't go through for work or somebody's, you know, demanding to speak with somebody, somebody's pissed off about the service that you whatever like if if you can't handle that don't open it don't open it schedule the time that you're going to open it and only do it then stick to that time um okay so ways of doing this pre-decide when you're going to check we check our email on average 88 times per day we only have 40 seconds of attention so instead of doing this hyper focus if you can't only check your email at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. if that's not realistic for you in your world hyper focus 20 minutes on your email every hour you'll still spend 10 times less time checking your email by scheduling it for the first 20 minutes of every hour and really hyper focusing on it not letting yourself be distracted using the distraction blockers using the app on your work computer and on your phone and don't let yourself be distracted um you know throw your headphones on grab a coffee grab a hot water whatever you need go to the bathroom sit down set your intention go into hyper focus mode boom nailed it (laughs) um okay there's three more things for email like this is it's obviously a super big deal he did a whole fucking section on it um so hyper focus 20 minutes on your email every hour go on email holiday once a month for two days inform people in advance they'll respect and understand your explanation and clear communication maybe even take a page out of your book keep emails to under five sentences if it has to be more than five sentences pick up the phone and resolve it via a conversation reducing the need to go back and forth and have a really long email conversation just cut it immediately the moment it's got to be over five sentences Um, And then the final tip is wait before replying if you're emotionally charged at all. Um, One company allowed employees to take a week off email and participants' blood pressures dropped significantly. The experience was described as liberating. How sad of a world we live in. How very sad. Okay, um... He talks about meetings quite a bit. I'm only going to just brush on it, but he says never attend a meeting without an agenda. Question the objective. Your time is too valuable. If you have to go to the meeting, enjoy and focus. Contribute and move things along helpfully. Internet is a powerful tool, but it encourages us to move on autopilot. Disconnect for 12 to 24 hour periods when you can, monthly or even every Sunday. Work offline and then reflect on how restored you are simplify your environment he states that we have 20 seconds of space between impulse and and action which gives us awareness to resist temptation so if you have a space that's super cluttered and you have a lot going on you know things that would be distracting to you like a bowl of candy if you love candy or like your cell phone if you love your cell phone or you know, a coffee machine, if it's more than 20 seconds away, you resist the temptation. But if it's within reach, you don't have the awareness to resist it. It's too hard. And it's like a natural human willpower thing. Like it's, these are natural numbers. Okay. Um, 
there's a quote that I love. He talks about music as background music. If um, if the music is in the background, it should be something that sounds familiar, is simple, and is quiet. Um, he talks about, or a quote that I love that he references from the author of Getting Things Done. He says, the brain is for having ideas, not holding them. So you want to like have a good idea, write it down, get it done. All right. Um, this next section I loved, it's about checking in on what you're working on and creating what does he call them environmental cues to alert you to check on what you're doing so when you're in a higher hyper focus mode that you are every single time you get up either to go to the bathroom or to get water or tea or you hear a phone ringing you didn't even get up you just heard a phone ringing across the room in another office something like that you stop what you're doing, check in on your focus and intention and see if you're still actively working on it or if you have gone in a different direction. Regroup, pull yourself back in, do it. Um, he also talks about, there's a researcher, Peter Golitzer, who mentions that by setting specific intentions, you increase your odds of overall success. I'm going to go to the gym more this month or I'm going to quit working when I get home. I'm going to go to bed by a reasonable time. Reasonable time. Even vague intentions, once they're set, increase your odds by 20 to 30%. If you write out the how, when, and where you're going to achieve your goal, you can increase your odds of success by 62%. That is fucking crazy. You double or triple your odds of success just by setting an intention and then by being specific about the intention. So those are the ways to create your success. Um, So he says that if your goal is to go to the gym, you would schedule go to the gym. You are going to schedule in your calendar the days that you're going to go to the gym. If your goal is to quit work when you get home, specify how you will achieve disconnecting. Put your work phone on airplane mode and keep it in the other room. Schedule time for checking emails. Um, If you are going to go to bed at a reasonable time, set an alarm for the time that you should begin winding down that will allow for your bedtime routine So really just naturally, subconsciously getting the ball rolling to do a thing, setting environmental cues to get you back into your zone of focus and easily leaning into the task at hand because it's literally already scheduled. Your whole universe is pointing you towards, all right, here's my alarm to wind down. Every day I wind down at this time. Every day I put my work phone in the other room at this time like it's just it's already been thought about so yeah like this is how we like manifest things into our life this is how we literally draw out how we want life to start to go is by creating habits that make us better and it's something that i feel so strongly about so okay um then he talks about how we know distractions are going to happen so tame the distraction feel out how long you want to focus for Um, it's extremely rewarding to give yourself stimulation breaks and watch your focus grow in duration. So starting small, you can't possibly focus for a whole hour when you're first starting. So what about 40 minutes? Bailey suggests, that feels weird. That sounds really weird. Um, but so the author, Chris Bailey suggests, um, 
starting with like 15 to 25 minute blocks and then taking five minute breaks in between. Um, and there's free timers online for this like Pomodoro or Tomato Timer. Um, shout out to my boyfriend Joey for actually getting me hooked on Pomodoro and Tomato Timers um, like a couple months ago. But reading this book really like implemented how fucking cool they can be. Um, so he talks about watching your focus grow in duration um, because when you hyper-focus for that 15 minutes, that 20 minutes, and you get 30 minutes or 45 minutes worth of work done in 20 minutes, it's so rewarding. And then you get to take a five-minute break and totally veg, totally phone dump, totally do all your stupid shit on social media for five minutes and then go right back to work and do another 25 minutes and watch your attention span grow. It's so fucking cool to watch yourself grow and get better and improve. It's so fucking cool. Um, okay, so push yourself, but not too hard. Starting at 15-minute blocks is totally fine. Um, you become accustomed to longer blocks of time with fewer distractions as you practice. Plan ahead for distraction set by setting out hyper-focused time blocks. Commit to focusing during those time blocks. When that alarm goes off to go into hyper-focus, hour at work or whatever it is you are committed to focusing and getting your shit done during that hour set a timer for hyper focus notice when your mind has wandered and bring your attention back to your intention um he answers the question when should you hyper focus the answer is whenever you can schedule as many blocks we're the most productive and the most happy when we get meaningful work done when you're working on a task that only you can do is a perfect time to enter hyperfocus mode. Productivity just means understanding your constraints. Work around obstacles when you're planning your week. Use hyperfocus whenever working on complex, complex tasks or projects that will benefit from complete attention by you. Set your intention to act with a plan to achieve and make space for intentional, effortful work. To-do lists work differently for everyone. I am a big fan of to-do lists and I probably take it to an unnecessary level. Um, but he talks a little bit about something that he calls worry lists, which I'm also like kind of on the fence about because in my meditation, um, my one of my favorite meditation um, like artists, I guess, on the Insight Timer is this woman, Sarah Blondin. And she has this one meditation where it's like, the more we keep our worries in plain sight, the more, mm, no, I jacked that up a little bit. Can't quite remember what she says exactly. But it's basically saying that like the more that we keep our worries in plain sight, the more they, like we try to like constrict them and control them, the more they control us basically. And he talks a lot in this book about how, if we have something that we need to address, if we have something that we need to get done, like that you have to just do it, like set your intention and, and do it. And that is, that's the concept of the edge of fear. That's choosing the fear and doing it anyway. That's choosing, I know that this project challenges me either intellectually 
or emotionally it challenges like some trauma or some story that I'm telling myself about myself and like why I can't do it because I'm a procrastinator because it has to be perfect because it'll never be good enough whatever fucking story that you're telling yourself this book challenges you and it challenges that story um and then you see you know you're rewarded by the success of doing the thing you have focused your intention long enough to have a fucking superpower to do this thing and it's really fucking cool so okay all right clear your working environment from cues and distraction make it a habit and slowly increase your attentional span um in chapter five he talks about how but with like focus, meditation ability compounds on upon itself. The more you practice it, the longer you're able to do it. Uh, intentionally anchor yourself in an activity that doesn't require your complete attention. The smaller the object of attention, the bigger your span of attention will grow by focusing on it. Um, and I equated this to the same way that we can find joy in something small and simple. We can find joy in anything. And when you can't find joy in something great, you can't find joy in anything. Um, and I mean, great and simple are obviously subjective, so that's hard to say anyway. But when you focus on something that's super small, and the example he gives is the tip of your nose. If I focus on the tip of my nose as I'm inhaling and exhaling, as I'm meditating, as I'm doing a thing, as I'm present in a moment, as I'm rocking the, a baby to sleep, as I'm hammering out this last 20 minutes of this project and as soon as I am done with it, I'm done with it. Whatever it is, the smaller the object of attention, the smaller the tip of your nose, the smaller the eye of the needle, whatever it is, the smaller it is, the bigger your span of attention will grow by focusing on it. The harder it is to pay attention to it, and that's why. So, okay. Um, building the tools to focus. He calls this chapter or section aversiveness. Since it doesn't, since something doesn't require your full attention, since it doesn't require your full attention to pay attention to your breathing, as in a breathing meditation, it allows your mind to meta-focus on whatever it is that your mind is wandering to meta okay so here we get interesting again chapter six is called scatter focus so scatter focus is when you intentionally let your mind rest and wander this is super important for our brains also because this is where we get to plan and get creative your mind chooses these moments to give you great insights. So there are three modes of scatter focus of when we are intentionally letting our mind wander. So when we, basically what Chris Bailey is arguing is that when we intentionally hyper-focus our attention, we get lots of shit done. And when we intentionally scatter focus our attention, we are greatly naturally empowered by it without having to work hard it becomes effortless um and so that's why it's so important um i could honestly go on about this book for another 15 minutes i think i will do like two more minutes though um but so scatter focus these are the three modes there is capture mode uh when we allow our mind to roam freely capturing what comes up um so boredom is letting us let our thoughts rise to the surface there are fewer distractions and our attention is naturally drawn in. Um, there's 
problem crunching mode, which is when you loosely hold a problem in your mind, letting your thoughts wander around it. When your mind wanders to something else, creative solutions to the problems um, can be found. Use sparingly for your largest problems. Um, the most time that you should set for a scatter focus sec, um, session such as this would be 30 to 60 minutes at the absolute most. Review the problem earlier beforehand. Think about it loosely during the activity, such as a nature walk um, on your plan, and listen to some music. And remember the music he said should be familiar, quiet, and simple. Okay, um, and then the third mode was habitual mode, um, which happens when you're engaged in a simple task. So this is when your mind allows you to capture valuable thoughts and plans that rise to the surface while doing it. Uh, this is most powerful for recharging and reconnecting. I'm sorry, for recharging and connecting the greatest number of ideas. This is beneficial and fun while doing a habitual activity that you enjoy. The happier, more elevated mood expands the size of your attentional space and the more benefits you'll reap. Positive mood allows the mind to wander more productively. That, that is like a really big piece of information. Being a happier person, intentionally letting your mind wander while you're doing simple tasks that you like. You are allowing your mind to wander intentionally in a productive way, in a way that's going to help you capture valuable thoughts and plans. Um, I, I loved his examples for this. Uh, so again, this is chapter six. Uh, when you go listen on your own, give that a really deep thought. Um, there, He says that there's something about um, perspective buyers grows exponentially during this. Uh, you're able to think more easily about your future. Um, it also yields the greatest number of creative insights because you're able to step back from the problem um, and give it more attentional space. Creative thought is useless if it goes unnoticed. So remember to live your life with a highlighter. Um, he also says to let the mind wander for 15 minutes a day intentionally. You are usually energized at the end of a task because you have given your mind a break. Uh, unresolved projects and the worry list that I mentioned earlier. Um, you're able to kind of get plans written down for how you will solve or resolve those issues. Um, when you have work breaks, when you take breaks from work, a refreshing work break should include, it should be low effort and habitual, something you want to do, to do and something that isn't a chore. He calls it pleasurably effortless. All right, and his tips for scatter focus time. Scatter your attention in richer environments, i.e. new places. Um, use cues to capture work that needs to be done. Do it around the house first. Start really small with really small attentional space items like that shelf or that drawer, and then do it at work slowly. You'll better organize and you'll better prioritize. You'll be able to teach your brain to work better, to create clean and simple, productive and efficient projects for yourself. Um, do it with your contact list. 
deliberately deliver deliberately expose yourself to new cues <laughs> all right um with scatter focus tip number two uh, write out the problem statement you're trying to solve. There was a lot of evidence that just writing out the statement keeps it fresh in your mind. Um, another tip is sleep on the problem. Dream the answers is a real thing. Einstein talks about it. Like lots of really famous fucking brilliant humans talk about how they dreamt the answer to the problem. They dreamt the resolution to the thing that's the same that's the same thing <laughs> they saw the picture they saw their painting you know they heard the song um i can't honestly you have to just fucking read the book okay um so dream the answers connecting the dots during relaxation capturing insight on mind in that moment never go to sleep without a request to your subconscious uh somebody said um rem sleep enhanced integration of unrelated details and disposes the unconnected dots review information you're trying to encode into memory just before sleep um okay three more tips on this and then we're mostly done there's still a page left sorry guys i don't know why like i'm so interested by this but i just feel like 30 minutes is like the cutoff and i lose you guys so i've got four minutes before i hit 40 minutes and i think i can do it um purposely delay creative pursuits so wait to send an email or deciding uh, a new logo or outlining your next project purposely delay your creative pursuits so that you give your mind time to wander and be scatter focused while you're like in the planning stages um intentionally leave task unfinished this is so counterintuitive to me and counter to like everything i've ever heard before but the more abruptly you stop the more you'll think about it when you stop um and then finally he says consume more valuable dots so i think that that's in reference to what i was mentioning before about um you know having a year where i don't read a lot of books versus a year where i do read a lot of books i feel like my dots are very valuable in this year that i've been trying to learn other languages i do i feel like my dots and my valuables my my thoughts and my experiences are so valuable and are so you know significant that I, I have got lots of valuable dots that I can like bring to the table at any given time um, for any resolution um, and by yes being happier and feeling more fulfilled like how much better the ideas are there's so much more creative um, so collecting dots is chapter seven um, and this is the quote that I mentioned before practice isn't the thing you do when you're good it's the thing you do that makes you good um, and the 10 hours the 10,000 hours rule um, which is the length of effortful practice some suggest it would take to master some skill. Build a rich constellation of dots around an area. So choose a skill, whether it's bow hunting or kickboxing or gardening or bird watching or whatever it is and and give it 10,000 hours of your life because what else are you giving 10,000 hours of your life to if not rich and fulfilling meaningful practices um, to reap these benefits you simply have to let your mind wander and focus recharge your hyper focus all right um, final page positive thinking doesn't help 
The more you fantasize about things getting better, studies have shown, the more depressed patients became. They showed slower recovery, um, more difficulty losing weight, worse sleep, etc. Fantasizing heavily showed lower mastery of life skills. Wishful thinking versus spending time on things that boost our positive affect. More creative and more focused. We are much less content when the mind wanders out of our control. So create fewer distractions via more intention to the things that you choose to do. Intentionally let your mind wander and intentionally focus. Being in a good mood makes you recall information better. Consume information more actively. The happier you are, the more likely you are to put together solutions in new and interesting ways. You see new uses for familiar things and overcome fixedness. You see variety, but not in risky ways. Having a negative mood shrinks your attention space. The less happy you are, the more your mind wanders against your will. Unhappy people are less productive. They take longer to focus after interruption and are more likely to dwell on their past failures. Habits, this is the final section. I love you, I love you. Thank you so much for staying with me. Habits that train our mind to wander less, such as mindfulness or meditation, are even effective in reducing relapse in recovering depressive individuals. Happier people are 31% more productive than those in the negative or neutral. There is something that he talks about called the happiness advantage and things that you can do to gain the advantage of happiness, which is less, you know, tendency towards depressiveness, um, being more productive, staying focused for longer, having your mind wander in productive ways. All of these are the happiness advantage. Things that you can do to prompt that happiness are gratitude, journaling, meditating, and random acts of kindness daily or weekly. Um, The Productivity Project is something that he calls us all to. Um, Hyperfocus is best used during our biological prime time for hyperfocus. So identify for a week or two. Like I, I fucking have said this in so many episodes, but like you need to figure out how this is going to apply to your life because it's not going to work exactly the same for you as it will for anybody else. And that's the same across all habits because we are all different. We are all completely different. We have had different lives, different experiences, different foods we eat, different upbringings, different backgrounds, different schooling, different fucking everything. Everything. So you have to identify for a week or two what your naturally falling statuses. This is anytime you're trying to learn about yourself. So identify for a week or two when you're the most productive. Scattered focus is most powerful when you have the list. Your least energy is your most creative prime time. What? Mind blown. Ultimately, if we were less distracted, we could potentially get so much more done in far less time and using far less energy. We could be more productive, happier, and more fulfilled. And literally, that's it, you guys. That's what it's all about. Like, imagine if we all were truly our best. What could get done? What of the world would be different? Can you even imagine? I like to imagine such a world. Um, And thank you so much for joining me. Chris Bailey, Hyperfocus, go read it. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know if you are interested in more book review episodes. I love fucking sharing information um, and it's really hard. It's really hard, but 
super worth it. Um, if this helps even one person, it would be super worth it. So I love you. Um, share this episode if you found it interesting. If you want me to do it again, uh, share it to your Instagram story. Tag me at Liz Without a Pillow. Hashtag the Edge of Fear podcast. I love you. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.